have people come up and they, they run their little roles and, and do what they need to do to bring us into that place of worship. And I was just thinking how great it would be sometime to have like John Wayne come in and do the call to worship. You know, he comes, waha. Well, I just want to welcome all you pilgrims here. Over here, we have the nursery. Over here, we have older kids' church. Over here, we have younger kids' church. And, you know, if you go to the wrong door, I'm going to shoot you where you stand. <laughs> so just come in and worship the Lord. That was more like Radar doing an uh, impersonation of John Wayne. I think that was John's younger brother, James Wayne. He was, you know, John Wayne's name was Marion, but uh, I don't know what his brother's name was. So, Anyway... I, I didn't, you know, when you're putting your, your sermon together, you don't think it's really a whole lot, but we got all this today, so it's like, yeah, yeah, so we might be here. Okay, I'm just kidding. There's like 10 pages here that aren't part of it, so, all right, that's not part of it. Pilgrims, okay. Well, Ken and Lorinda are up in Canada they're uh, enjoying some time up there with the family. Uh, Ken has now been labeled a right-wing, gun-toting, uh, uh, Jesus freak from Wyoming, so he feels good about himself. But this morning, what I wanted to look at as I spoke uh, with God this week was we've always talked about John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who should ever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So we're going to break that down a little bit this morning. We're going to kind of dissect that verse a little bit. But I want you to know there's going to be an exercise at the end, okay? Now, don't get worried. This is not the body of a man who exercises. This will be a mental exercise, okay? That's right. But uh, I think uh, above everything else, John 3.16 is like the pivotal point in the Word of God. It takes all the interaction that God had with man throughout the Old Testament, puts it at one certain point where his death and resurrection takes place, and, and then it lays out our future for us. It tells us that we will, be, uh, will not perish but have everlasting life. So as we look at this, I'm going to break it down in about three parts, maybe four, perhaps ten, I don't know. Uh, but we're going to look at first who God is, and we're going to look at some of the names that, that God has. Uh, I didn't give these names to, to Jesse to put up there because they're just too darn many, but we're going to start out with God Elohim. The name Elohim means God the Creator, but it's interesting because El Elyon also means God the Most High. El Elyon is a singular tense of God, but Elohim is a plural sense. It shows us that even in the Old Testament, God was plural. He was not just a single being. We refer to it as the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when, when the word Elohim was used, it was used in a plural sense, a multiple sense. Whereas when El Elyon was used, God the Most High, that was referring to God, period. El Roy was referring to... Hi, that was loud. El Roy was, was referring to the God who sees. El Shaddai, God Almighty or God the All-Sufficient One. Yahweh is God's holy covenant name. And then after that we have uh, Adonai, which is Lord. 
Jehovah the Most High. Now, there's an interesting thing about Jehovah. Jehovah wasn't a, a name that was original. Jehovah was translated from the original, which was Yahweh, which consisted of four uh, uh, initials because they didn't use uh, nouns or uh, consonants and vowels. Thank you back then. A little ARP moment. I'll be checking with you guys to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. So Yahweh was Y-H-W-H, and it could only be spoken by the priest when he was in the temple. It was a name that no one used. So as, uh, the, uh, as, as God began to span out to the Gentiles, he started, the Gentiles, the uh, Greeks came up with the name Jehovah, and they took that from Yahweh, translated into their own language. Uh, later on, and I can't remember the date, I can hardly remember my own birthday, uh, but later on, they, they, uh, uh, the Hebrews took the name back and referred it back to Yahweh. So when I say these next few names, they were referring to Yahweh, but we know him as Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, my God will provide. Jehovah Rapha, my God who heals. Jehovah Nisi, my God, my banner. Jehovah Mekadishkim, my God who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom, my God, my peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, my, my God of hosts, and the hosts that it refers to there are the hosts of angel armies. Jehovah Ra, my God, my shepherd. And Jehovah Sikenu, my God, our saving grace. The reason I bring all these names up this morning is that if you take all of those names and you take uh, the fact that they are all the same God, it covers every single one of our needs uh, here on the earth. All of us are in need of a healer. We're in need of provision. We're in need, uh, when we go into battle, we need to have our banner with us. All these names cover everything that we ever need in life. So when we think about God, uh, and again, uh, our language, our English language is very stifled when it comes to words. Like we only have one word for the word love, whereas uh, as Ken taught before, it's four words in the Greek. And if you go in further into the Greek, you'll find that there's six words that they use. But if you can go even farther, you'll find that there's almost 24 different words for our one word love. And it's the same with God. We, we praise God. You know, we, we uh, invite God into our services. We walk with God through the week. But we have that one word. But there are many different names for, for God that... Uh, blanket his children so that we know uh, that he's covering every single base that we're going to deal with this week in our lifetimes as well. And then if you go in further into the uh, New Testament, you'll find even more names. But uh, those are the ones I wanted to bring up today. All these names combined paint a picture of who God is and how he affects our lives both personally and collectively as well. Second thing I'd like to talk about is how we know God loves us, for God so loved the world. He created the world, the universe, and as we found out through telescopes and satellites and everything, the universe is far beyond this. He created these, these worlds for one reason, or two reasons. One, for his glory, and two, for our pleasure. You ever go out in the middle of the night on a nice clear night and look at the stars? 
and just are amazed by how wonderful they are. Well, when you think about that, think about uh, just how good God loves us, how much he loves us, that he would paint the heavens like that. He would paint them for our pleasure and for his glory. And God knew that those that belonged to him would recognize creation and marvel in it. Uh, you know, I think about uh, uh, people who don't know Christ. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't have a relationship with God. Holy Spirit's not in their lives. And you look at them and you wonder how they can make it through a day because they see no glory. They, they do not see God's glory in anything. But we as Christians, I'm going to move this up a little bit because it's scratching on my hairy face. Okay, thank you. But we know as, as his believers and his followers that we can we recognize the things that he has done in this world and in this universe and that we can see those things and, uh, and know that he is there. In the book, What on Earth Am I Here For? by Rick Warren, which incidentally is the book we're going through on Thursday nights. Feel free to come. That's his copy of the book right here. Uh, Rick Warren says in, one, in about the first chapter, you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are not an afterthought. I'm going to move this again. All right. You are not an afterthought. Before everything else, God loved you, and you were created for his glory and pleasure and to love him back. That's paraphrased, but that's what it says. God's not just the essence of love. He is love. When we think about God being love, it's hard for us to fathom that he loves he is love. His makeup is love. It's not like this is God and he might have the essence of love back here. He is uh, love, completely overpowering and uh, uh, working constantly. He is love. It's hard to fathom that because we here on earth, love, some people think love is an emotion, but it's not. It's an act of the will. We choose who we're going to love. We choose who we want in our lives. We... Uh, Sometimes we choose to quit loving somebody and we move on. And sometimes we are in love with somebody for 100 years. But the fact is, we choose love. God can't choose love because he is love. So he's always love. And it's still hard to figure that out. But that's what the Bible says, so that's what I'm going with, okay? Amen. Amen. The cool part about it was is we were created out of love for fellowship with God, Okay? That's a hard, that, again, God, you know, you look at the, at the, uh, the, the, uh, the creation in Genesis 1, and you look at how he formed the waters and separated the waters from the earth, and he formed the stars, and he formed the heaven and the earth, and he formed all these things. But the one thing that he formed specifically for fellowship was man and woman. They were, they were formed, they were created to have fellowship with God. Nothing else in his creation was created that way. Everything else in his creation gives him glory and points to who he is, but nothing, with the exception of man and woman, were created to have fellowship with him. And that was out of love. That wasn't because he needed us or uh, needed our, our input on how to run church and stuff. It's because he loved us. And we, in return, worship him back. Romans eight thirty-eight and 39 says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the beauty of his love. We cannot be separated from that. When we accept Christ into our hearts, and we are walking in God's love, and we are walking in his life, no matter what comes along the pike, we cannot be separated from God's love. And that, to me, is another thing that's just, it's, it's incredibly hard to understand, but I'm taking it, Lord, to bring it on. More of that. Third, we know he loves us because he sacrificed his son. We can testify to his love for us because he gave. He sacrificed. He put aside the fact that our own needs... uh, Let me see that again. He put aside the fact that by our own needs we deserve death. And instead he laid on his son the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins... And all sins on Jesus, so that we might become spotless before him. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through now, no matter what will take place in the future, God has already covered those sins. He has covered sins from the beginning of time to the end of time. The sins are covered. They're wiped away. When we know Christ, the sins are as far as from the east to the west. He forgets them. Unlike us, we tend to hang on to something when somebody uh, wrongs us. Somebody gets credit for something we've done. We get blamed for something somebody else has done. We hang on to that. And we'll hold on to that for the longest time. I know a person who's held on to something since they were in the eighth grade. The eighth grade. And I'm not going to tell you how old they are now but they're old. It wasn't me. Let's get that one cleared up right now. But forgiveness goes hand in hand with love. Can't have one without the other. God forgave us, and he says, you guys better forgive. You need to forgive. You need to let those things go. As I think about this person, I think about the, uh, the consequences of that of that unforgiveness and how this person over here who is unwilling to forgive has been suffering all those years. That person over there who they needed to forgive probably doesn't even know what happened. And they're just walking along like everything's groovy because that's how this is. But uh, everything's fine. I'm doing great. Meanwhile, this person is still festering after all those years. So forgiveness is very key in act of love. If we are going to love and love the way God intended us to love, we need to be able to forgive. And we need to be able to move on because it just stifles everything. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind has been looking for ways to atone for their sins. There's religions to this day that still demand a self-abasement or scourging complete with physical and mental pain in order to make things right. I remember watching this last Christmas of a, uh, some people down in Mexico who thought uh, their belief is that they get crucified and it's not, they're, they're not tied to the cross. They get nailed to a cross because this is an act of atonement for them. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine what 
Jesus went through because he was flogged and, and spit on and all kinds of things. It says in the Bible he was unrecognizable as a man. But to do this later on in life because we believe that's what's going to atone for our sins, we're kind of missing the point of what took place. Bookstores are filled with self-help books to get us to that place we need to be, that plateau where everything is good. And uh, they guarantee us self-fulfillment uh, if we buy them and apply the principles to our lives. Television is full of Dr. Phil-type shows that probe into our problems and suggest solutions which will bring happiness and joy if applied. Now, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater here because we are created in body, in uh, soul, and in spirit. And that soul is the mind and the, the thoughts and the memories and the... Um, uh, the ERP moment, I'll get back with you, the conscious uh, part of our brains. And, and so that's an actual part of our, uh, of our makeup. If you go through the Old Testament especially, but even into the New Testament, you're going to find that depression was big back in the Old Testament. King David, uh, all kinds of different authors wrote about being depressed. I don't think Job was dancing around when he was going through his stuff, okay? So we go through this stuff. We deal with things like depression. We have a God who can heal us of, of depression. I'm not going to throw that one out either. But we also, some of the things that we can get from uh, counselors and, and uh, some of the authors that are out there really help us in that arena. But it's not the solution that gives us eternal life and gives us the peace that we need to make it on through the day. Another one is ad- addictions. There's been studies going around for years saying that uh, when, an, when an addict through a self-help type program frees himself of one addiction, will soon fill it up with another. Uh, it's just how it works because there's a hole in the heart that is a God-sized hole that we keep filling with other things. It's meant for God. It's designed for God. It only fits God. But we keep doing the round peg in the square hole kind of a thing and filling it up with other things. But once that has been vacated, it needs to be filled again. And anything else is not going to bring uh, the satisfaction that we think it will. It's good. I'm not saying it's not good. I support many uh, uh, drug programs through, uh, through the sheriff's office and through other agencies because, you know, it, it helps a person get back on track to where they need to be to be productive again. But it doesn't bring eternal life. It doesn't bring that peace. But when we, oh, I almost jumped ahead. Just like the signature on a painting or a potter's, potter's marking on pottery, we cannot remove the creator without creating a void or causing damage to the artwork, which is you and I. So when we try to erase God from our lives, uh, we, we have a problem because that void, again, is, is, not, uh, is not filled. The next section has to do with belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, to believe means to be true or honest, to accept the word of ev- or evidence of, and to hold as an opinion. When we come to the point of accepting Christ in our life, we have declared the act which God did by providing our salvation through the death and resurrection of his son. We believe it to be true and honest. We've accepted the evidence presented to us, and we begin to hold it as our opinion. It passes from books of stories and testimonies 
to fact in our way of thinking and in our hearts, the result of which starts us on our walk with Christ through this time called life, but also assures us, assures us of a place in eternity in face-to-face fellowship with God as experienced by Adam and Eve in the garden. We get to go back to that original beginning as we are uh, dancing on streets that are golden. We're singing with the Lord. The Lord's singing over us. We get to have that face-to-face communion that Adam and Eve experienced for a short period of time in the garden where we're fellowshipping with him, we're walking with him, we are, uh, we're seeing Jesus face to face. Holy Spirit is not something that's off in the distance anymore or something that's in our hearts as he is now. And I didn't mean off in the distance. It sounds like a Bette Midler song. God is watching us from a distance. That's not it. God bless you, Bette Midler. But, uh, come Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, uh, but it will be an actual face-to-face time i can't it's hard to it's hard to grasp that that the holy spirit is not going to be uh something that that uh some people don't believe in some people do some people figure all the gifts and everything are gone because the holy spirit's not active we're going to see the holy spirit right there we're going to have all of it right in front of us and it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a time folks and lastly, see, we, you know, I, I, you know, ever notice that when you get a guest speaker up here, they never go as long as Ken? Yeah. Now, I'm, tell, I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a thing that happens when you're preparing a message. You're sure that message is going to last two hours and 18 minutes. And you get out here and it's the 18 minutes, and you'd have no idea where that two hours went. But nothing, nonetheless, nonetheless, we're just going to go into this last part. Lastly, God has one expectation of us that we live as, as examples to share the love that he has extended to us. First, back to God, the author of love, and second, to others, our neighbors, our enemies, and last, to our fellow Christ followers. You ever think about the, uh, the concept of the challenge God gave us to love our neighbors? Have you ever thought about that? Tried to make application, tried to make sense of that one. You know, uh, it's, for some people it's easy, for others it's not. And it's a hard one to get, but again, that's that forgiveness aspect. Our enemies are our enemies because they've done something to wrong us, against us, or whatever. But God says that we have to forgive those. And we also forgive our, or love our neighbors, rather. We love them. We're, uh, and that's not just the guy over here or the guy over here on your street. That's everybody you come in contact with. We share love to them. But the big one is sharing love to our fellow Christ followers. We tend to have a misconception on how the folks in church are supposed to be. We've all accepted Christ, so now we walk in perfection. Just how it should be. (laughs) I'm not speaking for myself. That's not the case. We're still... We may be walking in Christ. We may be filled with the Holy Spirit. We may be laying hands on somebody and praying for them and watching healing come. We might be praying for deliverance. We might be praying for resurrection. We could be doing all of these things, but we still have the ability to fall. We still have the ability... I don't know. I got hair in my mouth. I don't know where that came from. Uh, we still have the ability to, uh, to uh, sin. It's still there. It never goes away. It's constantly bombarding us. We have the power through Jesus Christ 
to overcome that sin. But we just can't quite get past the fact that Christians may have a little bit of falseness in their lives. They may have a little bit of hypocritical in their lives, you know, but they've been forgiven. Doesn't mean they've been changed to that effect that we're all perfect because we all know that there's only one perfect, perfect man, and that was Jesus. But through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we learn to spot these things ahead of time and hopefully steer clear of them. But we're all human. So in the church, we might have a little imperfection. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you cry. We might have a little imperfection. We might have a little, uh, some struggles in our lives. But God made it a point that we are to love our Christ followers. Because he said in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. And this is the greatest and foremost command. The second is, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's another biggie. Have we learned to love ourselves? Have we learned to understand that God has done something so phenomenal in our lives that we no longer are that old person anymore? We're a new created being, new creatures in Christ, and that we can love ourselves now. It doesn't matter our physical condition. Strike a pose. Vogue, vogue, vogue. Okay, it doesn't matter our physical condition. It doesn't matter uh, our status in life. It doesn't matter any of those things. We're created new creatures. We're no longer that old guy anymore. We are new in Christ, and we can love ourselves. And we're to love others the way we love ourselves. All right, now that I've done all that, we're getting to the tough part. Now for the exercise. We're all going to do 32 jumping jacks. No, that can't, I can't do jumping jacks because my, my belly hits my face. It's not pretty. My belly button leaves hickeys on my forehead. I don't get it. I can't, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's true. All right, so the exercise. See that blank spot up there? That blank spot is a fill in the blank. And to learn our love, to love ourselves, we have to learn how much God loves us. So in that blank, we're going to read this together. But in that blank, you're going to insert your name. And we're going to say it to this effect. And this is the example for the exercise because when I'm doing FSTs, uh, field sobriety tests, I have to ex- uh, give them an example of what I expect of them. For God so loved your name, Phil, that he gave his only begotten son, that if I will believe in him, I will not perish, and I will have everlasting life. So let's say that together. And I think next we're going to have uh, communion, uh, Sean. So I think if you want to get ready and bring your folks up, we'll just move right into that. For God so loved Phil that he gave... Uh, yeah, wait, hope time, time. That was... That was terrible. That was like everybody, everybody kind of calmed down at that point when we got to the name. So let's try it again. For God so loved Phil that he gave his only begotten son that if I will believe in him, I will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we just thank you. 
that your love was so complete, that your love is so encompassing, that your love is so overwhelming, that you would give your son for us. We thank you that as Jesus departed from this world, he did not leave us alone, but he gave us the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, function uh, the way you would have us. So God, we just thank you for your word. I pray we would apply it to our hearts. And as we leave today, Lord, that we would remember to put our names in there so that we can learn to love ourselves as you love us and learn to love ourselves so that we can love others. We thank you and we just uplift this in Jesus' name. Amen.